This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hello, everyone. Welcome into another episode of Kentucky Daily, a daily podcast covering your University of Kentucky Wildcats. I'm Sean Smith, joined by Derek Terry, the Cat's Paws. Derek, John Calipari finally has an NBA champion that he's coached, and it's Anthony Davis. And you tweeted it last night. The best player that he's had at Kentucky is the one to win a title, and it's only fitting, right? It is. Um, Anthony Davis is a great basketball career, continues national champion, NBA champion, uh, Olympian gold medal, all these things uh, you could have – I mean, I just don't know how he could have dreamed of that 15 years ago or whatever. Uh, A great story. Good ambassador for Kentucky. I didn't watch a ton of that series. I watched a little bit. Um, Props to the NBA, too, uh, for for how well they did in the bubble. No positive cases at all. They were able to finish their season. And they'll probably be back before we know it because I think they're planning to start their next season just a few months from now, right? I think around New Year's. Uh, I wouldn't be shocked if they start it on Christmas Day. Like, yeah, I think that that so. might be their their little window that they like to do since they they dominate Christmas Day anyhow the last seven, eight years. So I think that that could be when the season starts. It took a full year to play this thing yeah. after the, the pandemic shut things down for four or five months there. I, it's crazy to think that. And that's why I threw out the whole idea that they should have an asterisk beside whoever this was. Look, what all those dudes dealt with this year, 12 months, a stoppage right at the most important time of your season. I think it was impressive that that they won a title. But Anthony Davis is incredible, and he's got a chance, Derek, to win more than one. They're the favorite to win it already next year. Shout out to Rajon Rondo, too, who was a key piece. I think the most assist – in the playoffs by a bench player since since the 70s. I'm pretty Playoff sure. Rondo, something else. He is. He's incredible. <laughs> uh, that's probably a guy that you see back there next year. Mm-hmm. But uh, we'll get into the basketball talk. Where basketball is going to pick up the next couple of weeks. Uh, we have basketball interviews today, actually, with uh, Davion Mintz. And then I think, is it Joel Justice Wednesday and then Dante Allen Friday? Mm-hmm. Is that the slate this week? Correct. Yep. So we'll uh, – We'll get into those. We'll recap some things that Mint says on tomorrow's episode, and then we'll we'll touch on Joel Justice and Dante Allen this week as well because uh, we're gearing up towards basketball season. But Kentucky coming off a win versus Mississippi State, that's going to be the bulk of this episode. Uh, but this episode is brought to you by the Butcher's Pub with two locations, one in Pineville, Kentucky, one in Williamsburg, Kentucky. Get out there this week. Have Wing Wednesday on Wednesday, 75-cent wings, $2 domestics. Uh, get out there this weekend, watch Kentucky-Tennessee. I know for the folks in Palmville, Kentucky, there'll be probably be a mixture, Derek, of some Tennessee fans coming over and some Kentucky fans there. 
a big time robbery here in Eastern Kentucky. But when we return, we're going to talk about what we saw on film, Derek, some things that stood out about Kentucky's win, and we'll uh, recap Mark Stoops' Monday press conference. You're listening to Kentucky Daily. Call Bryant Law, 261-7381. This is attorney Jeremy Bryant. Have you been injured at work in the last 24 months? Contact Bryant Law. We want you to understand that every dime an insurance company keeps from you is another one they keep in their pocket. You're entitled to just compensation. So don't let the insurance company tell you what's proper. After all, you're the one who has been injured on the job. I'll evaluate your case and tell you the truth. Call Bryant Law in Corbin and get what you deserve. Visit online at jeremybryantlaw.com. Welcome back to Kentucky Daily. Derek, 24-2 victory, fitting that Kentucky won by 22 points on the night oh, where yeah. they were honoring Chris Oates, who just got out of the rehab facility and has returned home to Mark Stoops, John Summerall, and uh, Vince Merrill delivered the game ball to Oates yesterday. Pretty cool moment. It was. Um, it was good to see that, that they were able to get up there yesterday, send him the ball. I mean, it's pretty incredible the final score being the way it was, <laughs> 22 points. And, you know, our thoughts are with Chris, too, and what he's going through. Still a good game, though, for Kentucky, I thought, defensively anyway. We'll get into the offense a little bit later. But, uh, you know, defensively, man, I don't. where do you start? I mean, all three levels of the defense played really, really well. Um, pretty crazy that out of the six interceptions, Kelvin Joseph was the only DB who had it. So almost all that work was being done by most of the linebackers, but also the defensive line. And good for him, too, you know, to get yeah. that pick. He, he needed that. That might get him going. Uh I called him as the guy that would get the first interception or the first turnover. You know, it was a mailback question Friday. It was who will get the first. You know, at that point, we could just thrown out random names and one of us would have hit somebody. Uh, but Mark Stoops was very complimentary of the guys up front: Quentin Bohanna, Phil Hoskins. Uh, you watched Derek a lot of the game. You know, he he told you not to get fooled that they weren't just rushing three every single time. They were mixing up. They were bringing four. But there were a lot of plays, Derek, where Quentin Bohanna lived in the backfield. And what did you think of the the two when he held up the two to let Cassell <laughs> know at one point that he had thrown two interceptions? Yeah, that was funny. Um, it was a sign of what was to come, though. I guess. Uh, well, I know the backup also threw a few. Uh, the crazy thing is Kentucky, I mean, they had the one pick six, which was Jordan Wright, but really, I mean, a great job by Quentin Bohanna to get to the backfield, force that throw. Pascal more or less had a pick six. I mean, I guess nothing's a given. Uh, down on the goal line, UK's had some struggles this year, but they punched in right away. But that was really set up by a defensive play. And then even J.J. Weaver, if he could have held on to his, he had a clear path for another pick six. Yeah. So And, and Jamie Davis almost had one. Well, he was a fraction away from getting yeah, one early yeah, in the game. Early in the game, yeah. Well, I think that first series, yeah, he was right there. Um, I guess he got a finger on that. I couldn't really tell. Uh, the guy dropped it from Mississippi State, which makes me think it was deflected some way because yeah. he was right there to catch it. Um, great job of those guys. I thought Jordan Wright played his best game as a Wildcat, and he was honored today, actually, as the SEC Defensive Player of the Week. Uh, so, he, so good for him. He was, and then he tweeted it immediately a shout out to the entire defense, I think is yeah. what he said in his tweet. So he was giving credit to his teammates. Uh, Max Duffy 
the special teams player of the week in the SEC, Derek, that free kick, that is – if anything blows you away from a punter, it's something like that. Like, here we are. You mentioned it on the postgame show. We're thinking Mississippi State's going to get good field position. They're right back in this game. And he kicks it all the way to the other end zone and flips the field on a free kick. Like – that guy's incredible. Can can they just clone him? Like, can they just take his leg and like just put like a leg outside of Kroger Field to just remember Max Duffy because he's been incredible, hasn't he? He has been uh, an all-time great in UK football history. I mean, that's no exaggeration. Probably the best punter to ever play at Kentucky. Wilson Berry, his uh, fellow Australian coming in next year, will have big shoes to fill. But uh, Max is a joy, too, one of my favorite interviews on the whole team. He had a great game. Uh, he'll be important this week against Tennessee. I mean, the ball, uh, full position, things like that, and, and low-scoring games, which I think it might be this week, always plays a big role. Um, i trying to think any more guys on defense to shout out. I mean, everybody pretty much played well. You know, a lot of the young guys got in there. I thought that was good for the future of the program. But uh, – Sean, that offense, you know. Go ahead. Jared, go ahead with the closing well, thoughts. We'll get into Jared, Jared Casey was a guy that I was going to yeah. going to throw out there. You and I talked on the phone late last night, and Casey was a guy that we said looked the part. Mm-hmm. And uh, J.J. Weaver, I mean, you said he was in position to make some plays and made some plays. Boogie Watson, the the strip okay. that he took away at the goal line, to me, was the it's one of the biggest plays of the game because then it pretty much just deflated Mississippi State. It was it fourteen to two when that happened? Is that yep. when he took that away? So honestly, you could say that's the biggest play of the game. Uh, then, but you could also say the same thing about Jamin's interception in the end zone. They had so many plays, and that's the thing, Derek. And we're going to get into this offense right now. If this team's going to be really good and they're going to have a solid year and close here, it's going to be because of this unit. Because what we saw from the offensive side. I don't know how much excitement you have when they face these, and they're facing a good defense Saturday. They're facing a good defense when they play Georgia. Uh, the, it's only going to get tougher from here on out. Yeah, um, these next two weeks, and maybe it's not fair to expect too much against Georgia. Because I actually saw on the SP Plus. I told you this yesterday. Uh, I guess I'm not verified this, but I saw the tweet, and uh, the person who tweeted it, I would have no reason not to believe, but. Georgia's defense right now is one of the stingiest since 2004. So, you know, you might be talking about an all-time great defense this year at Georgia, which is going to be one hell of a challenge for a Kentucky offense yeah. that typically does not really play They that. haven't played cupcakes. Like, they, they played oh, no, Auburn. Right. They played Tennessee. It, it, yeah, that, that defense is elite, and Kentucky has their hands full in two weeks. I mean, even look at Arkansas, their first opponent. Like, Arkansas has played – pretty well. I mean, they had a chance to beat Auburn last week. If they get a call to go their way there at the end, they're on a two-game winning streak after playing Georgia pretty tough for a half. So, um, some big concerns for me, I guess, offensively when I went back and I don't watch the full game. I watched a little bit. Just basically nothing in the passing game and, and really not being able to establish the run. And Mississippi State's good against run defense, at least on paper. They've proven to be pretty good. Mark Stoops said today that they tried to establish the run. I would, I mean, I don't don't know if I'm really in a position to disagree with the head coach of an SEC school, but like the leading running back at eight carries, AJ Rose. Rodriguez only had seven, and they didn't run a ton of offensive plays, but that's not really a ton of attempts to say that. Like Terry Wilson was their leading rusher, so yes. if you want to say that that was you know trying to establish a run, I think I would disagree because it seemed like they kind of had it in their minds that Mississippi State, which they proved to be, was a good run defense team, and they wanted to try to spread it out and throw it a little bit. Big problem there though is. 
they have one pass play go for more than 15 yards. And they had a couple drops. I think the rig one would have been uh, close to that 15 range. I can't remember exactly how far downfield he was. That, that was, was a big drop. play. Yeah. But on the only pass play that went for more than 15 yards wasn't really even a pass. It was a jet sweep, and it gets credited as a pass because it's a forward. Uh, I guess because it's just a forward handoff, basically, to Josh Ali on a jet sweep, and he gets 17 yards. So that's the biggest passing play of the whole game for Kentucky. And uh, rushing-wise, even, I mean, the stat broadcast considers big rushing plays to be more than 10 yards, and Kentucky only had four of those, uh, one of those being the Wilson run that set up the touchdown. Rodriguez had the other two, and then McLean came in. So A.J. Rose, the guy who had the leading amount of carries out of the running backs, didn't have a single rush for more than 10 yards. This is a uh, this is an offense that I don't think they have an identity. I think in what they want to do. I don't think they have an identity as far as who they want to do it. And if that makes sense at all, like they're, I just don't understand all the screenplays. Uh, yes, that is a part. That's always been a part of this offense, but it feels like it's eighty to ninety percent of the passing game now is is this way out to the sides it's it's not down the field uh the tight ends did get some opportunities they did target the tight ends in the middle of the field which you know was good to see that all three tight ends made catches now Brendan Bates is going to be out for a couple weeks with the injury which is unfortunate because he's a guy that we'd heard that they really liked in camp and then he he played well in his opportunities Saturday but Derek, this this team, like two years ago, you knew it was Benny Snell football. Even the year before that, you knew it was Benny Snell football. Last year, it was Lynn Bowden. Who is it this year? Like, he's looking at Josh Ali a lot. Is it just because Josh is the only guy that can get open? I mean, Demarcus Harris has dropped a lot of balls. I mean, obviously, he's open. And if he makes those catches, maybe that's a, that's an option. But who do, who do they go to? Who do they lean on? Yes, the offensive line is great. But that's where I've been coming from with why don't you give Chris Rodriguez a chance? He finished yeah. in his limited carries. Was it over five per carry, 5.4 at one point? Yeah. So eight carries or seven carries, right? On seven carries, yeah. Seven carries, 38 yards, a touchdown. If that's That that, that warrants more, right? I think 5.4. And here's like I'm going to go ahead and give people a warning. I'm going to be beating this drum a lot the next two weeks. So you'll be tired of me saying it by the time I'm, I'm done with this, but the biggest glaring weakness on this team, and I've mentioned it some in the preseason, but it's even worse than I thought, to be completely honest. the There is not a single skill position player on this team that scares an SEC defense. And that comes back to some, well, I can't say it's all complete misses in the recruiting game because Lynn Bowden was part of some of these classes, but basically from 20, really 2016 to 2019 is where I'll go. Um, which those are the young guys, 2019, that's Demarcus Harris and Tay-Tay Kroom, so we've not seen at all. But just not good enough recruiting in the wider. And that's where you're seeing a big thing this year. Because like you said, UK's offense, no one would categorize it as explosive. I mean, last year towards the end of the year with the run game, what they were doing was incredible. There's no denying that. But that comes at a price, though, now. You see it with none of those wide receivers who were here who very obviously needed that development. They're not getting that right now. Um, Ali is the closest thing to being a guy who would like scare a defense, I guess. But even he is not—he's not like a number one you see at Alabama or number one you see at Georgia, number one you see at Auburn. You know, like a Seth Williams type. I think Josh is a good player, but not someone who on most teams is going to be a number one option. So, any criticism that there is for Terry, and I think there's plenty to go around after last game, we need to frame it in a way that 
he's not exactly working with superstars on the perimeter either. No, this is his uh, – out of the group that's playing, this is the worst group of wide receivers they've had since yeah. he's been here. And they didn't even get used last year. But this group, they're they're not performing, Derek. You've, you've been talking about this youth movement with me that you think could happen some point this season. And I think that the end of the game the other night was is setting up for that. You know, you saw Michael Drennan on the field. You saw Isaiah Cummings on the field. Uh, Jutal McLean's in a different situation because they're running backs with Rodriguez and when Smoke's healthy, they're fine. But the wide receiver, if there's a position on the field that some people are going to break into, it's that it's that spot. But Bryce Oliver, you saw him. Do you think he – I mean, that's a guy they got to have if they want to get something going. It, ideally, Derek, I think it would be Josh Ali, Bryce Oliver, and Akeem Hayes. Like, those are the three that have really, in my opinion – when they've had opportunities, Oliver in the past has been really good, and then what we heard in fall camp. So maybe there's some guys there, but I, I think at some point Michael Drennan, Cummings, these guys are going to get their opportunities in key moments. Yeah, I, I think Oliver helps for sure. I, I've, he's one of the few guys I've actually really enjoyed uh, getting the chance to watch when he has been healthy. He had a great play against Toledo last year. Don't re- don't really remember him doing too much. I don't remember if he was injured or what, but those first few games with Sawyer, he didn't seem to be targeted as much as when Terry was a quarterback. He did have the big catch at Missouri or against Missouri. Um, but no, to me, like when I look at this offense and want to talk about guys defenses that they prepare for, like I look at Keaton Upshaw as maybe the most valuable target on the team. Just yeah. because if you're talking about a guy with mismatch potential, it's him much more so than a Justin Rigg. Bates, we'll see. Like you said, he's out, so he doesn't even factor in this week. But to me, Upshaw's the guy, man, that uh, that they have to start to target. But, and like I said the other night, I'm not going to turn this into a Terry Wilson doesn't need to play because I think you really have to evaluate what's around him. I will say I think Terry Wilson is a – he's a pretty average quarterback. Like, just to be completely honest, he's not – I don't think he's as much of a playmaker as UK is trying to turn him into this year. And when I look at his rushing numbers, like, that's what they're trying to do. It's, it's a lot of QB run with him this year. A lot of the things that they did with Lynn Bowden, I'm not sure he's necessarily that guy. And yes. I wanted to bring up these numbers, and then I'll turn it over to you, Sean. Um, I looked him up last night because he finished the last game against Mississippi State, 8 of 20 for 73 yards. Maybe a few of those drops would have propelled him a little bit higher. Who knows how the game would have turned out. I get all those things. But what we have to look at now is in his starting career, which is I think around 18 games now that he started, he said four games where he's done for under 100 yards. And 12 of his starts, he's done for fewer than 200 yards. 200 yards in today's college football is is nothing, basically. I mean, a lot of schools are throwing for way more than that. And it's a struggle for UK's offense. And, again, I'm not putting it all on him. I'm just pointing it out, like, for whatever defense there is of Terry Wilson, and there's plenty of people who would defend him to the death, I understand it. He was a quarterback on a good team. I get that. Those numbers at a certain point, though, Sean, I mean, they have to have more from the passing game. And I'm not saying Joey Gatewood's the answer, Bo Allen's the answer. They might not be this year. Their skill position players might be to the point this year where it's not going to matter who's back there. We'll see. We'll see what kind of changes they make as it goes on. But I'm just going to say it now. They're not winning the next two weeks without an adequate passing game. And at this point, I'm not sure they've really shown one for us to believe that, that they can do it. And and that's the thing. Like, there is no guarantee that Joey Gatewood will change things. Yeah. But I will say this. If, if your offense is struggling against Tennessee Saturday and you don't at least try and see if it changes, then I don't know what that says. Because I feel like that – 
this is a game Saturday where Mark Stoops should attack it, and I think he is attacking this game differently. He even admitted it. As far as travel, he wasn't pleased with the way that they, they did things two years ago with taking the bus. Are they going to fly to Knoxville? Is that the impression you like. got? Yeah. It sounds you, like they're going to be a was like a twenty minute flight. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, not a very is, far drive, honestly. It's two and a half hours, but Stoops is treating it like he's going to be on a bus the whole day. Uh, but I will say this about that though, Sean, he has been kind of beating that drum about how he did not like their preparation for a while now. Because I want to say when they played Vanderbilt last year, he had some of the same conversations about how he did not like uh, how they handled the, the travel to Tennessee. Uh, to Knoxville, and he was talking about it for Nashville. So, like, this was not the first time he's brought that up since that game. So, I, I really do think, I mean, Kentucky obviously played very, very poorly at Tennessee a few years ago. But uh, I think he must feel like that was a bigger reason as to how they handled some things before the game started. It sure sounds like it. <laughs> because, I mean, if he's thinking about getting on a flight yeah, from Lexington to Knoxville, uh, Derek, the, I don't know. I don't know many people that fly from Lexington to Knoxville. At all, like that's just uh, that's wild. That's that's usually a bus game. That might as well fly to Louisville. Like I mean, that's, that's how close <laughs> those those two places are. But hey, if it changes things for his team and, he, and mentally he can go to sleep Friday night and wake up Saturday morning thinking, all right, we've done everything that we should do, then go for it, Mark. But I just back to the quarterback thing real quick before we close. They Terry has to be better. I think Terry would admit that. Yeah, but it's all, but it certainly isn't all his fault. Like I would, that's why this is hard to judge. It's hard to judge because is it is it the wide receivers just not getting open? You know what are these breakdowns? But at some point, like if you're having these breakdowns, you have to at least try other things. Like they did two years ago when Terry was struggling at Missouri, they put Gunner Hoke in, then it come back to Terry, and it never changed again. Just to just to take a peek and see what what happens. I'm not calling for him to be benched, but I'm just saying if the offense is you know out of control and it's not moving the football anything I mean and certainly Joey Gatewood has a cannon we saw that like how accurate that cannon is I don't know but he's going to break some fingers like throwing the ball the way he did that pass I think you'll see him a little bit this weekend in some predetermined series uh just to see what he can do and it might not help like we said it might not help anybody who that's kind of the how I want to frame like the Terry Wilson debate like he has some very very staunch supporters for him and they'll point to how many games UK has won QB wins are not a real stat. I will continue to say that. It's it's If someone's having to use those numbers, it might suggest that that's their only good argument they have as to why a guy is good. And Because uh, it's kind of hard to argue the numbers for Terry and his sake. But he's always kind of been in situations that he didn't always really have a ton of guys to help out. And then that first year, it was a first-year starter on a, on a pretty established team that you didn't have to throw the ball a whole lot for that team to be successful. But um, – what we saw the other night, I mean, it's just it's just simply not good enough. Uh, it wasn't. He wasn't good enough. The the offensive line was not good enough. The receivers certainly weren't good enough. It's been it's been problem. And uh, like you said, I don't know if Joey's going to be the guy or not, but I do think they're at a point where if the offense is just kind of, uh, you know, just not doing anything, kind of how they were the other night, then yeah, I think it's. Uh, I don't think Terry Wilson is so good that, that you wouldn't at least give someone else a shot to see if they can provide a spark. Yeah. And uh, we're going to wrap up right here. Sorry, this is a short episode. It wasn't a ton. Uh, we wanted to touch on some football stuff uh, from Mississippi State. And now, tomorrow, we'll move forward with Tennessee, and we'll start previewing that with some guests and things this week. couple of notes, Derek. Uh, Mark Stoops said that Josh Paschal is day-to-day. 
Uh, it sounds like he'll be out there at some point this week. Mark Stoops actually said he expects him out there at some point this week. So that's good news for Kentucky's defense because if they have any chance of winning in Knoxville, they need Pascal. Uh, two, a couple of notes on Mark Stoops. That was his 91st game as Kentucky head coach Saturday night, which passed Jerry Claiborne for the second most in school history, Derek, which is it's kind of crazy to think that he's getting up on that list. Uh, Fran Kersey has the record with 100 games. So one more year of Mark Stoops, and he'll be the uh, coach of the most football games at UK. Uh, school record 33 wins at Kroger Field Commonwealth Stadium, surpassing Jerry Claiborne's mark of 32. And Stoops also tied Paul Bear Bryant for the most home wins in school history. So some uh, – Pretty cool notes there for Mark Stoops. It is. You know, Mark will soon be the UK's all-time lead, leader in wins. And, he'll, I mean, Bob Stoops is the all-time leader at uh, Oklahoma. So quite a quite a run there for those two brothers that they'll both be uh, at, at a certain point here. It's pretty undoubtedly that if Stoops stays a few more years, he will be the all-time leader in wins at UK. So that's a cool thing for that family to have two, two brothers who, uh, at their respective schools, all-time yeah. leader in wins. Yep, and we'll be back the rest of this week with Tennessee Preview and then whatever breaking news happens. But this has been another episode of Kentucky Daily. We'll catch you tomorrow. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.